0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Travel Commando podcast. I am so delighted with a little mini-trip that I just took, and I can't wait to share it with you. Once in a while, I find out that I'm close to some amazing place of which I was previously unaware. This happened to me recently in Utah, and I'm so, so grateful. I can't even remember now what television show I was watching, but a comment was made indicating that the Enola Gaze hangar, was in Wendover, Utah. I was about an hour and a half away at the time. I thought, yeah, okay, if that's available to the public, I'm going. It is? I did. More or less across the freeway and down the street from the Bonneville Salt Flats, Wendover Airfield, formerly Wendover Air Force Base, is easily accessible from I-15. It is in Wendover, Utah, just outside of Wendover, Nevada. The base is now a civilian airfield, with much of the old base still in place. Two museums are on the site, one is in the old control room, and one is in the officer's club. Wendover Airfield, or Air Force Base, was the home of the 509th Bomber Group, and for those of you who don't know what the 509th did, the 509th ended World War II. The base was built in the early 1940s on the salt desert bordering Utah and Nevada. The terrain surrounding the base would frankly bore some people to tears and fascinate others. I am in the latter camp. I loved being surrounded by the lake bed and the salt flats with the scant scrub grasses and plants poking through here and there and the knobby, bulbous mountains and low hills of Wendover calling for exploration. But the terrain is just a tiny part of this experience. Very serious things occurred here, and people lived lives of responsibility, secrecy, and fear. And a few of you who listened to episode two, in which I, prevent, I presented a World War II soldier's memoir, will already know... This was an especially moving experience for me because my dad fought in the Pacific in World War II. His red is in the red, white, and blue. And that was with me out there on the lake bed. I recommend taking a stroll through each of the museums upon arrival. Get to know these guys and their families a little bit, you know, before you tour their former home. I started out in the main museum, which is beneath the old control tower and adjacent to the brilliantly white Hangar 1. There are many pictures in this building, original pictures of the planes, the crews, and the staff around the base. And there's an odd airplane prop or two, as well as some other artifacts which you can view and which I will not give away here. I exited the museum and walked over to the museum in the officers' club. I entered the club and turned into the bar area. Now, I'm going to tell you something personal, and this is real, and I'm sharing it on the internet. They have done a beautiful job of restoring the bar. Okay, when I looked inside, the place was empty. But in just a moment, it seemed to be full of people, full of life and activity, electricity from the war running through those present. Foam was running down the sides of overtopped beer glasses, military hats were about, and long skirts were flapping. Now, I am not claiming to have seen ghosts. I think I had a maximized experience, electrified by Hollywood and thoughts of my dad. Then I walked into the dance hall, Again, maybe I should hesitate to put this out here, but I won't. It was the same experience times five. Like those apparitions in the old haunted house at Disneyland. Right? But I knew it was all in my mind, and it was much more photorealistic. I could see this place in a more fearful, but also happier time. Young men whirled about with young women attached. The occasional old man of the base would come gracefully through with some grand dame playing at the same flirtation beneath the red, white, and blue bunting, pleasing the observers in the gallery overhead. What was the band playing? Patriotic swing. There was laughter and gaiety. One room over, there were guns and a Norton bombsite. And this brings us to another deep cover secret of this base. The Norton bombsite was kept here. That was one of the pieces of information that was not to leave this place. Okay, there are very small gift shops in both museums. And after seeing the O Club, I chose to head out across the historic military base. When I visited, the day was very bright. A few large wispy clouds were in the sky. The colors, such as they were at the base brown, tan, green, red, white, and blue popped. Many of the abandoned buildings in particular still bear the majority of their whitewash paint jobs. The base, which must have been such a loud, loud place, was so quiet on this day. I could hear the lake bed crunching and crackling under my shoes. And by the way, if you come here, you can probably just wear tennis shoes, but I recommend at least a trail shoe if you're going to explore on foot. My footsteps and shutter clicks were almost the only sounds at certain times, although a couple of carloads of looky-loos did cruise through. The site and vast, vast acreage surrounding it served primarily as the home of the 509th Bomber Squadron and as a range for test bombing, although other squadrons were there and other activities occurred. Okay. There were craters out on the desert, craters in the salt flats. Okay. <laughs> Among other squads which used the base was the famous Flying Tigers squad. Have you ever heard the term pumpkin bombing? Does that sound familiar from junior high history, maybe? It started here. Pumpkin bombing was the dropping of dummy bombs in the U.S. and then later high explosive bombs in Japan to help determine the shape and size of the atomic bomb. And let's take a moment here. These guys were doing bomb runs every day, right? But it is supposedly the case that the men did not know the ultimate aim of their training. They obviously knew that they were training for combat runs and perhaps the bombs to be used were still being designed. But keep in mind, these guys did not know there was a Manhattan Project. I sort of couldn't help noticing that there was a C-123 parked outside the museum office. I took a few photos of it and looked around some more, and later I noticed that there was a little ramp and a deck of steps beside the plane, and I thought, wait a minute, can I go into that airplane and check it out? Yup, it's there for that purpose. I really kind of couldn't believe it when I was walking into the aircraft. There were our pics and video on Instagram, Check out how shockingly primitive the cockpit seems. And keep in mind that the aircraft is, um, completely unrestored. Okay. You might recognize it from somewhere, but I'm not going to say where. The first unrestored building which I approached to explore and photograph was the old bombsite storage building. The Norton bombsite was kept here. Weapons and other equipment were inspected in this building upon arrival. The building is partially collapsed with one corner missing and nothing but a 78-year-old keep-out sign to prevent exploration, okay? The building was an excellent subject of photography and a decent home for pigeons. The term ramshackle came to mind. I continued down between buildings and came to one in which various flight simulators were placed for pilot training. Okay, now this is during the war. They're not there anymore. I didn't even know flight simulators were used then, (laughs) and I thought this was pretty fascinating. The building's glory is long gone now, though, but proud work was once done here. In the distance, I noticed a small red shed. It seemed newer, maybe a bit out of place, but beyond that was a rather interesting feature which was clearly original to the site. It was a red smokestack, just standing alone, monolithic, a finger pointing to the cerulean sky. Okay. I approached Hangar 3, a whitewashed testament to aviation and fortitude, frankly. Not quite decrepit, but certainly scrappy, the hangar is quite large, with many of the windows broken out. I took a few photos and moved on. Again, I'm putting many photos on Instagram. After I passed Hangar 3, I stopped next to a chain-link fence. I was changing cameras when a man in fatigues approached me from the hangar on the other side of that fence. He actually just wanted to make sure I was a tourist and not a vandal, okay. He also discouraged me from photographing that particular hangar, which is still in active use. I believe it's a National Guard hangar now, but I'm not sure. In one of these hangars, a plane is being restored. I won't name the building. I believe that close approach is discouraged for anyone who is not on a tour. Okay. And by the way, you can take tours of the base with docents. I chose to go out on my own. And I I just stood where I was for a minute, listening to the whispers and sometimes savage cries, which can rise up out of abandoned places like this. The desert itself seems to emit such wails at times. Geological age can speak there, and all historical sites speak to those who listen. So, for some time now, I'd been moving closer to the smokestack. As I approached it, I realized it was actually a chimney. It was made of red bricks. The building was no longer in place, but there had been a school on the spot. The chimney had been for the school. Try to imagine what going to that school must have been like. Sworn to secrecy, Armageddon at the door, the screams and roars of fighter and bomber aircraft passing overhead, trying to learn geometry while feeling the thuds of impacting pumpkin bombs rising up through your legs and desk, and out here in the middle of nowhere. The monolith was interesting, okay, but I still had a small walk ahead of me to see what I really wanted to see. So I kept walking. After a few minutes, I was standing outside another section of chain-link fence. And behind the fence, there it was. I couldn't believe that I was just standing there, looking at it. Nobody told me I should move on. Nobody told me not to take pictures. Nobody told me that I should not be there. I was standing in front of the Enola Gaze hangar. <laughs> And on the off chance that you've made it this far into the podcast, and you don't know what the Enola Gay was, the Enola Gay was the B-29 that dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. If you really just want to have your mind blown, stand on this base, look around, stare at the hangar, and at the flight apron across which the Enola Gay departed for Japan, and contemplate the fact that all of the men who died on the USS Indianapolis and all of the men who made that dreadful float after the sinking, being eaten by or watching their friends be eaten by sharks, had just left Tinian delivering what the plane in this hangar on this base would go pick up. While you're wandering around and engaging in all of this contemplation, keep in mind that the temperature can rise quite a bit quite quickly out there. The salt in the lake bed reflects the sunlight and can cook a person like a fish fillet. Okay, just a little note. Across the road, the barracks. And you just know barracks when you see them, right? These were barracks. the structures were neat and orderly but dilapidated, one section was entirely collapsed. I was lost again in that sensation of disbelief. For so many people this had been home. Among the, bar- the barracks buildings are two latrines. The barracks did not have toilets. I was still more or less next to the hangar, And from this spot, I first noticed another fascinating object. I took it to be a guard tower, where men had stood with machine guns. They knew their job was important, but they had no idea how significant the squad which they were protecting would actually become. The squad would end World War II. However, the building is actually a target scoring tower which was used to observe and score the bomb drops performed by the trainees. It looks like a watchtower meant to be manned by armed guards, but it's less ominous, in a way. From that hangar, across that apron, the Enola Gay left the United States Fortinian to pick up the atomic bomb. I hope I have adequately conveyed the eerie, ghostly romantic, thrilling, nostalgic, sad, joyful experience of walking this base. All of you Utahns who drive to Wendover to gamble and party on the weekends, you know that orange and white water tank? That was for the base. The men who ended World War II bathed in and drank water from that tank. Travel commando tip, take water with you, take a hat, Take sunscreen, take evaporative cooling gear if you have it, if you're visiting in the summer. Travel Commando tip. Make a donation. Travel Commando tip. Be respectful. Do not litter. Do not ride on anything. Thank you for listening. Travel Commando out.